you doing? My name is Scott Mendenhall and I want to welcome you tonight or today to Potential Church and all the campuses, welcome. It's been a long time since I've been out here or been where you are at your campuses and thank you so much for allowing me to be hanging with you today. Uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, I was on staff here many years ago and God dropped on my heart and my wife's heart to start a church in the tundra of Minnesota. We traded the palm trees and the sandy beaches of South Florida for evergreen trees and less, less sand, more snow. And uh, we moved, it was three years ago, to start a church. We knew zero people there. Like, it, imagine that. Would you just for a second that God takes you from here and drops you into a place where you know no one and says, start a church. There's one thing that is required in, in a church. It's people, okay? <laughs> and we drop in there and it's like, I know no one and... Uh, it's been, it's been a tremendous ride, and we're going to talk a lot about that uh, in a little bit. I, I'm just so grateful to be here. Uh, I, I'm grateful for my relationship with Pastor Troy and Steph. Uh, I get to reach out to him almost daily, probably too much, saying, Troy, what would you do in this scenario? And his wisdom has got us through some very difficult times and decisions and starting Unlocked Church. Uh, you know, when we, when we were on staff here, it was, it was my dream job to be here. I mean, I grew up in Illinois, and to move to where there were palm trees, and I could have a tan year-round that I didn't have to pay for? What? Yeah! And then we, we fell in love with this place, and fell in love, like, Head over heels. Uh, so much so that uh, my family started here. We, we now have uh, six children. Here's a picture of the fine little children that we have. Uh, I think we're going to put them up on the screen for you to enjoy. Uh, they, right there. That is, we did not give birth to the dogs, okay? That <laughs> would be weird, okay? But uh, legend, epic, icon, historic, inspiring greatness, that's all of them, okay? Uh, and then the dogs, Vader is the biggest one, then Rennie, and then Daphne, and that's our kids. And you know, if somebody asked us, how did we get them to pose and smile like that? Uh, we paid them lots of money, okay? We said $100 a piece if you just look at this camera for one second, okay, just one. Uh, actually, we had to snap about 1,000 pictures to get that one, and then we photoshopped heads and bodies and... Um, it was a lot of work, okay. <laughs> but uh, that's my, my, my family. And some of you immediately go, do you not what know what causes children? We do not. But whatever it is, we're really good at it, okay. Um, it really, here's the deal. You really need to pray for me because uh, I, I try to tell my wife all the time, I'm not just a piece of meat, okay. Sometimes I would just like to hug it out, okay. And, and it, it just doesn't end there. I'm like, stop. I'm not a piece of meat. So just pray for me in that. It's been really something I've been trying to deal with. Uh, really, it's a struggle. And so... I just, that, that's my family, and that family started here, uh, and so when we, when we talk about, like, that family that you see there, it's, it, their DNA is part of South Florida. Some of you uh, helped raise, and you watched our kids, and so we have a heart for here, and so I just got to start by saying thank you to you guys that pray for us, those that give here at Potential Church, thank you, because there is a church that is impacting a community in Maple Grove, Minnesota. And so that's happening because of your generosity. And so I want to start by saying thank you in case I forget. Because uh, I have ADD, self-diagnosed still, and uh, I might forget, okay? And so it, it, thank you for, for your generosity. Uh, you know, 
what's really cool to come off of a weekend last week at, at Unlock Church, uh, our heart has been really the unchurched, standing in the gap for those that currently are not going to church. Funny thing is, is that when you reach them, they think going to church once every six weeks is really, or, or is really good. Once every six weeks we'll be here, that's awesome, because they weren't going to church at all. And so uh, it's been really unique in trying to teach them, no, church come every Sunday, it's really, or, or Saturday, it's a great experience, be a part of a body. Uh, but last week we did our very first baptism after our grand opening a year ago, and we had 11 that got baptized for the, it was amazing. And you're a part of those, those lives, like you've not met them or got to see them, but you are a part of that story because that is not happening without you. Okay, and so uh, today I want to talk about being grateful, because as a church planner, when you leave potential church, like this is like your dream job as a pastor to work here. Okay, this is like you get on staff here. It's like I ha- I can't get any better. This is it. Okay, and and to be called out here and go to start a church, you're like, holy cow, we have to buy pens. If we want to have somebody to fill out a connect card, we have to buy pens. Oh my goodness, you just don't think about that stuff at, at, when you're on staff here, because you just don't think about pens. They seem to be there. They're just all around. And simple things like that, you have to, all of a sudden, you have to think about. And so there are tons of times in a day that I sit there and I just pause and I am grateful for my time here. Because it prepared Holly and I and my family to go where we knew no one and to start a church. Because we rely on the things that Pastor Troy has taught us. And I'm grateful for the things that you guys that uh, are our friends taught us. Because we are using them to reach those that are far from Christ in Maple Grove, which is a suburb of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And so I want to talk about being grateful because it's something that I struggle with a lot. And you might not be able to uh, sit there and identify it right away. But let me put it in some practical terms for you, okay? I hold in my hands here. This is the first iPod. I waited in line for this. I still have it because it's like the first, okay? It, we, I was so amped about this uh, because it was going to hold like a, a hundred songs. <laughs> I was like, what? I digitally store them on this device? It can be in my pocket. I don't have to worry about, like, this will put some age on me. I don't have to worry about a CD skipping while running or something. This I can just run with. Oh, my goodness. It, it, like, the wheel moves. It clicks. Like, everything clicks. It's a, it's a black and white screen. But this iPod was the first one ever. It was, like, it was amazing. But you know what? This gets tossed around. My kids play with it. I'm not that grateful for this iPod anymore. Why? Because the new one came out, and it had, like, light, light up little touch screens. Like, we have a picture of the des- journey of the iPod, right? And so here you go. It started with the first one I have here, and then all of a sudden, that's no good. And then you graduate, and all of a sudden, the, the ones that were behind, just like, you don't want it anymore. They're old. All of a sudden, the new one comes out, and all of a sudden, you want the new one. Well, it's shinier. It holds more songs. And all of a sudden, we can convince ourselves why the one we had that held music and played music, why it's no longer good. And why we're not grateful for it anymore and we want the new thing and then you end up with the granddaddy of them all this monstrous ipad that like what is this right like I, i'm like i have it i i'm a victim of going i'm not grateful for what i got i want what she's got or he's got i, I see them and they got a new car i want a new car what their kids got that kind of thing for christmas i want to get that for, and all of a sudden i find myself not being grateful for what i got 
and I want what everybody else has got, and all of a sudden I feel like I'm just like a hamster on a wheel running and going nowhere because all I'm doing is looking at what everybody else has got, and I want what they got. I'm not happy with what I got. I just want what they got. And as a church planner, oh, my gosh, you go around, you drive down the street, and you're like, I want what that church has got. <laughs> I want that. I want that money to do that. You know, as, as, for us as churchmen, we had to raise 100% of the resources to start the church. And so sometimes I can find myself driving down the road past a, a, a church and go, man, I'd do so much better with that than them. God, why don't you give it to me? And all of a sudden I become ungrateful for what God has done in my life and done in our church there in Minnesota. That I, be, I lose perspective of what I have. And so that's what we want to talk about today is especially with, with the kickoff of, of your Christmas next week. Like this was my favorite time at Potential Church. I, like, I felt like uh, when, when we were building the sets in the student ministry and just like, I was so excited. It just made me excited about Christmas and the spirit that's behind Christmas. I love the teachings that Troy uh, did uh, at Christmas time because it was so much fun, the energy. So seriously, invite. Why would you not? Like, it's a great way to kick off the holiday season here at Potential Church. And so I want to talk about being grateful because we're going to go into a season that you can find yourself as you meet up with your family. And you're sitting there in your family that you haven't seen since last Thanksgiving. You're going, oh, yeah, I look thinner than them, so I feel pretty good. <laughs> they put on more weight than me. Oh, look at them. Oh, they've been in jail once. I haven't been in jail once. They lost a child. I haven't lost any. Uh, in our house, we have, a, we have a saying that we, as long as we start and end the day with the same amount of children in bed, it's good. They do not have to look the same. Okay, if you want to know how do you handle six kids, it's just, it doesn't matter. You start with six, end with six, okay? You don't check names and IDs. You just got six heads in bed. We're good, okay? And so you take that if you would like. Um, it's free. Uh, but it, it, it's, it, when, when we talk about going around families, we use our families to compare what we do not have or what we have. And all of a sudden you find yourself on that wheel as a hamster running and going nowhere. I, you know, we live in a culture where we complain about everything. While we're sitting in our car that is blowing cold air, some of us, uh, if you drive a Jeep like me, I have the top down, and so you're just enjoying nature. Either way, how you like to do it, you're sitting in a car, and you're complaining about whatever's happening on the outside of the car. When you lose perspective, I have a car. I'm driving myself to someone. I don't have to ride a donkey. I, get to, I don't have to walk. I get to just press this little rectangle pedal, and it goes. That's tremendous. But we forget about that and we complain that the person uh, in front of us is not moving fast enough. And I'm guilty of it, okay? I'm guilty of honking the horn at people, so I'm not trying to say I'm not. Or I will shake my head going, where did you get your driver's license? Cereal box? But we live in a culture that complains about everything, right? There's, nothing, there's no more good anymore. It's just there's only bad. The news covers only bad things, never points out the positive. Never the bright side of life, and we find ourselves in that. And so today, uh, I, I want to remind us it's how blessed we are and sometimes how grateful we are. We forget that we actually are blessed. I mean, think about it. You probably have shoes to, like, work out in. 
go to church in. They're different shoes. Different shoes to mow the grass. And if you mow the grass, like in, in Minnesota, we, we mow the grass a lot in the summer, and then it just dies. It's a tragedy. I spent all this money this uh, summer to make my grass look green like a golf course. That was my goal. As the snow melted, I was like, I want my lawn to look like a golf course. And in, in a month or so, we had it. It was like I was taking pictures. That's how I knew something changed in my life. I was taking pictures of the lawn. Like, look at what I have done. I am mad. I have made a golf course. And then my six kids destroyed it. It now looks like it's a desert. There's no grass in the front yard anymore. They played football in it the other day, and it rained, and they were having a good time. And I just said, you know what? It'll grow back next year. But we, we have shoes for all different events in our lives, yet we don't have enough shoes. You ever go to the closet and go to put on some kind of outfit, and you got like a selection of colors and go, I have nothing to wear. Like, I didn't know it started so young. Icon, she's like four or five. She's in there somewhere, okay? Uh, you just, yeah, I don't know. I, I should probably tattoo their birthdays on me somewhere. Um, but she's, she's young, okay, like five or something. And she came to me the other day and said, Dad, I have nothing to wear. And I freaked out. I was like, I thought this started when you were like 13, not five years old. She's like, Dad, I have nothing to wear. And I go upstairs, and she has stuff in her drawer. She just didn't want to wear it. It just wasn't, it's no, I, I want to wear my cowgirl boots today, and that doesn't go with it. I'm like, who told you that? Yesterday, it went with it, okay. Now, today, it's not, who, who are you talking to? I want to talk to them. They're making my life miserable. I didn't know, okay. Please, prepare me next time. I'll, I'll be in the lobby afterwards. Give me some help. So I want to use a story that the author Luke writes down. And it's in your handouts, in the handouts, if you follow along in the handouts, it's more like a guideline for me, okay? So if I skip something, just go, you've got ADD, it's okay. Okay, so it's a guideline. You can do what I do sometimes, trying to guess ahead what's that blank and see if you are good at it. Um, and so I have it here, um, but it, it, it's just there, okay? It's open just like you're opening yours now, and I see the blank spots, and I'm going to try to help you there, okay? But I'm going to use a story in, 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 in a book out of the Bible that the author Luke writes. And Luke is one of the guys that walked around and did life with Jesus, and as Jesus traveled, Luke, I, I can only imagine, he's like, oh, wow, that's really good. I should write that down. And he's just writing it down like, I don't know what, this guy just healed that person. I got to write that down. This is going to be good stuff. I don't know what to do with this. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I should write letters and share people like what happened with Jesus, who is the son of, uh, 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 of God walking around on earth. This is what he said and did. And so we jump into a story where the author Luke writes down in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And so he's documenting a, a, on a journey on their way to Jerusalem. And so let's jump in at, at verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now set it up like a, a movie in your mind. I like to do that when I read the Bible. Uh, it, it, here, here's the deal with leprosy, okay? It's a nasty disease, all right? Like stuff just falls off. When you go to bed, you wake up, and a rat ate your finger, and you didn't know it, okay? This is bad stuff. You don't want this stuff. And in those days, the law was if you had leprosy, you had to move from where you were out, uh, outside the city. And if someone came your direction, you had to announce from a far distance, we are sick, we are unclean, so that people knew not to go near them. 
And so here these guys are. They can see Jesus walking with his crew, and they're shouting at him, Hey, Jesus, have pity on us from a great distance. Hey, we know who you are and what you are capable of doing. Have pity on us. See our need, Jesus, and meet our need. And we pick back up at verse 14. When, when he saw them, he said, or sorry, let's go back. I jumped ahead. They stood a greatness, called in a loud voice, and Jesus, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleaned. So, so they were healed, right? That's quite a big deal. Now, I want you to pay attention to the next deal in this story. This is Jesus. It's the story that happened with Jesus. There were ten people that were healed of something that was very gross and ended in death. Jesus has pity on them, heals them. They, were, they went and they were cleansed. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw them, he saw that he was healed, came back and praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And then here's what Jesus says. He's pointing. Jesus doesn't say anything by mistake. He's not reacting. He's leveraging a moment to teach the people around him. And so what Jesus says here next is to teach us all something very, very important. Jesus asks, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no, has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Where are the other nine? They didn't come back. Do you, when Jesus is, is painting a picture uh, uh, right here, I believe he's trying to let us in on something that we by nature are not grateful people. If you have kids, you want your kids to be grateful and you teach them to be grateful. But we as people struggle to be grateful, to look at what we got and not go, I want the new thing. I mean, seriously, I didn't know I wanted a phone that does what it does, like when the new iPhone 7 came out, I didn't know I wanted an iPhone that did like nighttime camera stuff. They show a commercial, I was like, I need that. I don't want it, I need it, my life is not complete until I have a phone that I can take pictures at night with. I, I gotta figure out how to get this. And I'm not grateful that I already have a phone that I can surf the internet on, I can FaceTime anyone in the world, that when I have a question, a random question, I can go, hey Siri, now, granted, I have to say it like 900 times to Siri for her to understand what I'm trying to say. Like, I asked a question about Minnesota last night, and she goes, I cannot find Minnesota. I'm like, what is wrong with you? It is one of the 50 states. Okay, just say anything about Minnesota. And I would feel like you know what you're talking about. But no, it's, I cannot find anything about Minnesota. Man, it's so frustrating. And I've become ungrateful about a phone that I can do so much with. And it's not as good anymore. I don't protect it as much. Ah, it doesn't matter if it falls if it falls in the toilet. Great, I'll just go get the new phone. It gives me a reason to go get it. Right? Ever say something like that? How ungrateful we get so quickly. And here Jesus tells a story of men that were healed of something that was going to destroy their life, and they were not grateful. They did not return and just simply say thank you, except for one. And here, here's the very interesting thing, and I'll let it sit with you for a second, because, you know, no words are just randomly placed in the scripture. Here is the author Luke records to make sure that we all know that the one that came back was a foreigner. He was a, a, a Samaritan, which they did not hang out with Jewish people. It was like, they just, they were very separate. And so the point is that the guy that would maybe have an excuse not to go because the law says something different, he, he comes back and breaks all what culture says and comes back and says, thank you for healing me. Can you find yourself being grateful? And so I want to give 
three statements that will help you become more grateful this holiday season, okay, as we're getting into it. Three statements that you can put on your refrigerator, all right? So number one, this is the first blank that I'm going to get you to fill in, and this might be the only one. I know every good thing I have comes from God. I know every good thing I have comes from God. Now, the author, James, teaches this to us. This is not a statement that I just wrote down because it's like, yeah, this sounds really good. It actually comes out of the Bible. The author, James, he, he, he writes this, and then I'm going to tell you who James is. Every, in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. I'm going to read that again because that's not my words. This is, this is the author James in the Bible. He says in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. So if you think you, you bought that car and you love it because you worked so hard to get the car, it's actually a gift from above. The job that you have is a gift from above. The money you make is a gift from above. It's a, it's a, a product of all these gifts that we give. We can get back to all the simple things in life and go, it's all a gift from above. It allows us to be grateful. That the talents that you have to possess the job is a gift from above. It allows us to be grateful. It puts us in a right understanding of who we are, that we are, in the grand scheme of things in the world, we are a part of a story. We are not the story. Boy, when, I, when that light went off on my head one day, I was like, oh, yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you, you're stepping out, not knowing anyone's going to start a church. It's scary. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Sometimes I'm like, God, are you sure you called us to do this? And I got to remember, like, because I'll throw a fit. I'm like, God, where are you at? Why aren't you showing up for this? We're trying to do this. I moved my family from one of the most favorite places in the world, South Florida, at Potunjo Church, to come do this. And I'm terrified. Why would you do this? And I become ungrateful for what he's done up to this moment. I throw fits. I'm pounding my hands on the ground going, God, where are you at? I want more. I need more. And then I have to remind myself that I'm not the story. I am part of the story. And it puts me in the right spot going, okay, God, so what, are you, what, what do I need to do? Instead of, God, what do you need to do for me? It's what do I need to do for you? It changes it real quick. That, that picture you saw a second ago, can we put the, the family picture back up, right? I, I, we, we have a couple dogs in that picture. Um, the, the little one in the front, that's Daphne. She's been around forever, okay? I think she's going to outlive me um, just the way it goes. The pets that you least like, they live the longest. Anybody can, right? Hello? Okay, but the two dogs in the back, when we moved from here, my kids got this idea that they, they wanted lab dogs. It's like, I don't know if it's the state dog of Minnesota. It sure feels like it is. Everybody's got them. And my kids wanted one. And I was like, oh, I'm not buying a Labrador. Those things cost so much money. But I was like, uh, let's leverage the moment to teach your kids a few things. Why don't you start praying for a dog? And they're like, okay, so how should we pray for these dogs? And they start praying, God, we would like a dog, and we all would like a color. And the uh, Epic wanted a black lab, and Legend wanted a chocolate lab, and then the girls wanted a pink lab. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Well, well, no, God answers that one when a pink one shows up for sure. I was like, the other ones I could kind of deal with, (laughs) the pink one. Nope. Uh, so they're all praying for their labs. Well, Christmas time, six months into us living in, in Minnesota, I don't know where somebody drops a deal to us saying, hey, uh, we, we have a chocolate lab for you. Full-blooded chocolate lab. Uh, you cover some of the shots and stuff, and it's yours for a Christmas gift. And I was like, 
I was like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, is my house bugged? Like, what are you, how does this happen? I was like, how do you know these things? And I, Holly and I just, it's like, okay, we'll come up with the money to pay for the shots, no problem for that dog that has cost me a lot more since then than what the shots did, okay? Uh, okay, here's the problem. Those two dogs, one was a, I say was, a boy and a girl. Well, they got fixed, okay, because we, we put it, we figured it out with dogs, what creates Puppies, not people, we don't know that, okay, but dogs, we know. We got, we fixed that right away, okay, we don't need no puppies. We can't control kids popping out everywhere, and so we get no puppies, okay. And so we, with those dogs, as frustrating as they are at times, and it's frustrating I can sometimes feel with God that he's not showing up enough inside of what we're doing for the church, and I can't have my, all my prayers in. The dog will walk into the office, and I will see the dog, and it's in a reminder that God provided the simplest thing as a dog for my kids. Now, I could sit there and go, well, I went and got the dog. I came up with it. No. If I come back to what the author James writes... All good things come. Now, you could argue a dog is not good. I'm more of a cat person. We'll pray for you if you're a cat person, okay? Every time I see a cat look at me, I think they think in their mind, if I was bigger, I'd eat you. Okay? That's how I feel when a cat looks at me. I'm terrified of them. Uh, and so I know I'm using a dog as an illustration, but in my household, that's, those two puppies are an answer to my children's prayers. Because we did not make it happen. And my kids learned something real valuable really quick that I could not teach them. That their Heavenly Father taught them that all good things, all good and perfect gifts is from above. They don't thank mom and dad for those puppies. They thank God at night for their puppies. And I can't smile enough when I hear them pray that at night. Because they get what the author James says. You know what's cool about the author James is that he is Jesus' half-brother. I love when, when I think about Jesus' half-brother writing about what Jesus said, because I have three sisters, and I'm, I don't, I don't, I rarely quote my sisters, okay? I'm not writing books about what my sisters said, and I'll tell, I'll tell stories about my sisters giving me black eyes and stuff, uh, but I don't, I don't, it, it would take a lot for me to believe that one of my sisters were like a daughter of God. Okay, I'm like, yeah, right, I watched you. Okay, there's no way. There'd be one thing that would have to happen for me to go, okay, I believe you. They would have to do what Jesus did, die on a cross and come back to life. And then I would see them walking around and I'm like, okay, I, I'm sorry, I did not believe you earlier. I Would you please forgive me? And so when I see this with James writing a book and quoting his half-brother, I know. Because even historians will say that James did not believe his brother until one act happened. And that was when Jesus died on a cross and came back to life. And because a half-brother now says, I believe what I saw, I believe my half-brother is. It gives a lot of credibility to me that Jesus walked on this earth and died and rose again. And then he writes those things. And so when I read things, when James writes, I'm like, okay, this guy knows. He saw it. And so he's trying to remind us every good and perfect gift comes from above. Now, here's a list. I'm going to go through them really quick. Here's a list of what God gave men and women in the Bible. The Bible is, is stories that have been collected over generations of how God has showed up. So let me go through some really quick. I wrote them in here. God gave Noah a plan for the ark and the ability to build it to save his family. God gave the Israelites bread from heaven in the morning and gave them fire by night. God gave David a stone to kill Goliath. God gave Jonah a fish to swallow him up and take him safely to shore. God gave a young teenage girl, Mary, the faith to say yes and give birth to a savior of the world. 
And God gave us the Prince of Peace, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lion and the Lamp, the Savior of the world. God gave us a supernatural peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. God is constantly giving us good things. He has a plan for you. Even though you might feel like you're at the back end of that plan, God has a plan. Everything is for a reason. He has not forgotten about you or where you are at. Second statement. I will not let you, oh, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Let me read that again. Number two, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Because sometimes what we want robs us of what we got. We can't see it clearly anymore because what I want drives me to go get it versus what I already have. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9, the author of this book is King Solomon. The Bible says he's the wisest man to ever live. These are not my words. And if he is the wisest man that's ever lived, I better pay attention to the words he's going to share because he's wise. He might know a few things for me to learn. And so he wrote a book, Ecclesiastes, and this is what he says. And when I read it, you're going to go, what? And I'll help you understand it. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. I'm going to read it again. Better what the eye sees than the roving of an appetite. Think about an appetite. you got to feed it, right? Some point in the day, your stomach says, I'm hungry. That's your appetite talking. Give me something. Some of you choose to give it not so good things, and some of you choose to give it some good things. But you make a choice to feed the appetite. The thing about an appetite is that it's hungry again. you got to eat again. I mean, sometimes that's frustrating because your stomach will growl at the wrong time. You ever pay attention to that? When your stomach growls, it's like when the room gets quiet. If you're in a meeting and everybody pauses for a second, your stomach then growls and you look around like, who did that? You know it was you, but you're looking around like, who, what? Would you just take care of that? And then the, it's just how it goes. You, you don't want to claim that. I get it. it, it it's, a, it's an appetite. It must be fed. And so it, uh, the king here, the wisest man ever, he says, what you have, what you see, what you possess your home, your car, your family, what you have, what you see right now is better than a roving appetite looking everywhere else. Well, I wish I had because that destroys you because you'll never find contentment or peace and you will be angry at the people that have something that you want and you'll go, well, why'd they get that promotion? I should have had that promotion. They did something dirty to get that promotion and we try to uh, rationalize why we aren't getting what we want when Jesus is trying to say, hey, listen, all good things come from me and I know what you need. Stop looking everywhere else and pay attention to what you got. Be very happy with what you got. If you still have a flip phone, why? No, it's, you got a phone, okay? You have a phone. You can reach someone. No, I mean, you're missing out on some technology if you still have a flip phone. And, I mean, that's okay. I mean, maybe you've, you've, you're better than me, right? Like, I want to reach out and I want to see someone. Um, but better the eyes to see, be content with this. Now, I don't ever use this, like I said before. I don't even, I mean, really, I put it in there. Uh, Holly, my wife, she, she said to me, uh, do you really want to fly with this? I was like, what? Somebody takes it? Where am I out? I don't care. Somebody took my iPhone from me? I'd be like, oh, no, it's the worst day ever. I can't, I can't check Twitter. So find yourself content. It's better to see what you got than the roving of an appetite. 
Better is what you have than longing for something else. It's better to embrace what God has given you than to always want something more. What you have is better than longing for something else to make you happy. Because we just think, well, if I get the iPhone 7, I'll just be happier. If I get a new wife or husband, I'll just be happier. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. You are traveling with you. Okay, you are, we are our worst enemy. And in those equations, if I just had something that I would just be happier, you're taking yourself with you. You've got to fix you before you're actually going to find ultimate happiness. I wrote it like this. Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. When we find ourselves grateful for what we have, all of a sudden we find ourselves with enough. I'm grateful with it. It doesn't mean we stop dreaming. Oh, my gosh, I'm a dreamer. I want to go after it. I want to get stuff. I want to go after my God-given greatness. Man, I want to unlock that stuff. I want to see what God's put in me and my family and those that are at my church. And, and I, man, I want to see that. But I don't want to do it at the cost of looking at what everybody else is doing and trying to keep up with the Joneses. I want to do what God's called me to do. And so gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. Let's be honest. It's not happy people. Happy people are grateful. People that are not happy are ungrateful people. You want to be happy? Be grateful. I mean, think about this. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. This is how blessed we are. This is how much God showed up in our lives. And you might go, well, I deserve this. Here's the deal. Almost everyone here can go pay someone else to, to wait on you and serve you with food. You can go somewhere, even if it's McDonald's, you can stand in a line and say, I would like a Big Mac. And they'll go make the Big Mac and give it back to you. I mean, let's be grateful for what we got. You, most of us, I don't know everybody's situation, so I'm not trying to make light of yours, but we probably tonight will go to bed in a bed. Most of us, we have phones that does, does things that people have made up in fantasy movies. I mean, I watched a commercial the other day for a phone that can project things on a wall all of a sudden. I'm like, what? That's just what I want. A phone that projects everything on a wall. I didn't even know I wanted that. I do, though. I'm like, I could do something with that. People would get saved if I had that phone. <laughs> Most of us, we've traveled somewhere. We can travel to a beach. We can get somewhere. We can use public transportation to get there. See, I'm trying to paint a picture of how blessed we really are. Most of us, we have at least one good friend. But we constantly want what everybody else has. We are not grateful for what we have. The author of Paul writes a letter to a church that he planted. And he titles it Philippians chapter 4. The title is Philippians, author Paul writes it, I love this, and you've probably heard it before, but let me quote what he says. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances are. If I'm at Thanksgiving dinner and I'm with all of my family, I'm content. That's sometimes really hard to do. I'm content if I get nothing at Christmas because I can't afford it. I'm still content. Our culture tells us not to be content with this. And then he goes on, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the catch to it. Here's the thing you got to get today. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. It's through God. 
It's learning. It's applying what the verses we're talking about. If you don't like what I'm saying, just listen to the verses and go, okay, man, I got to listen to those things. I got to apply that. And then and the third thing, the third statement for you to help being grateful is I'll turn every blessing into praise to God. I'll turn every blessing into praise to God. I heard somebody say a long time ago when I was in school, and I've heard it plenty of times, so I don't know who to give credit to. I'm not taking it yet. Maybe next time I teach this, I'll take the credit for it. But this is not my saying today. Uh, maybe tomorrow. Uh, every time we don't turn a blessing back into praise, it turns into pride. I did it. I got the promotion on my own. God didn't show up. My kids are healthy because I feed them correctly. My kids are good kids because I'm a great parent. That's scary. I go to bed at night going, man, my kids are alive today. I think we survived the day. Woo. God, thank you for the patience. Thank you for being strong in my weakness. And I go to bed reminded to never forget the benefits of a relationship with God. So it reminds me of bed to go, man, God, I'm grateful for what I got. Starting the day with what I'm grateful with what I got. David writes in, 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 in Psalms, which is uh, a, where he, it's his journal, really. We get, we get a peek into the journal of King David throughout Psalms. And, and he writes this in Psalms 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he, he begins to list some of the benefits of a relationship with God. Who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. You want the weight off your shoulders of the world? You want to have the fountain of youth in your possession? You just read it. It's knowing that all good things come from above that there are benefits in a relationship with God. And when we give credit where credit is due, your youth is renewed. But when you think you're doing it all, you're going to spin your wheels until you break down. Because you think it's done by what you do. We, we say this as we're in the process after one year of Unlocked Church, we, we say it like this, because we're not sitting there going, well, God, you grow the church, and we'll just sit here and just wait for you. So we pray like it all depends on God to continue to grow Unlocked Church and the resources to do it. And we act. And we work as if it depends on us. We know it's all from God. And we will pray and pray, God, show up. But we are going to go out and work as if it's on our shoulders. And in your life, remember all the things in your life. Be grateful for Don't be the, the nine in the story we started with where they don't come back and say, man, we are thankful for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for providing a church to come and meet with. We have the freedom to meet and learn about God and be able to pour out our wants and our, our, our pain. And we have a place that, that loves us and believes in us. It's to be grateful for the family that you do have. to be grateful for the things that and I didn't even list today but to be grateful 
just like I started. I don't even think words will ever be able to tell the story of how Potential Church and you here have stood in the gap for my family and Unlock Church. And I'm humbled to be here today, grateful to be able to get hugs from you guys. Because the stories that are being told and wrote at Unlock Church are because of you. God is using you to do something crazy in a place that you probably don't ever want to go because it's too cold. Close your eyes for a second. Would you take in your mind and go, this is the one thing I'm going to do. This is my homework. This is, this is how I'm going to respond to this today. Ask yourself, what is God saying to you today? Not what is he saying to your neighbor. What is he saying to you? Because God brought you here today to tap you on your heart, to nudge your heart to take a step in his direction. God, I, I, I pray for those that are listening, for those that are listening not to my words, but to you right now, that you would drop into their heart and whisper into their ear that you love them, and they have the eyes to see the blessings in their life. Give us all those eyes to see where you're already showing up in our lives. God, and I pray for potential church. That as we wrap up a year and start a new year in a little over a month, that it will be the best year to come that more lives will be impacted than ever before. That you would use this church and the vision they're running after and the people that are a part of that, use them to continue to stand in the gap for those that are far from you. Give Pastor Troy strength and wisdom. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to hang with you today.